0: Hello and welcome to For the Love of Truth. This is episode 230 and today I'm having another conversation with Nigel Howitt of Lawful Rebel and if you've not seen any of Nigel's work I would encourage you to get across to either his website or his YouTube channel or his BitChute channel. I'll put links in the description and the comment of this video. And the purpose of the conversation today was I knew that Nigel had embarked on a journey to improve his health several years ago and I was curious as to where that started. Nigel explained that it was an awareness of the dangers of mercury fillings, the amalgam in his teeth that started him on this journey that he's been on now for some time. During the conversation, we covered dentistry, and then we moved on to other aspects of health, particularly focusing in on the real health benefits of things like intermittent fasting and fasting in general, and Nigel has considerable experience of both of those. And I hope you enjoyed the discussion as much as I always do with Nigel. You guys are absolutely amazing. And I look forward to speaking to you and seeing you in the next episode. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Nigel, thank you so much, mate, for coming on the show once more. How have you been?
1: I've been very well. Thanks, Adrian. Good. A little bit busy at this time of year, but um, all good. That's
0: right. You have a small holding, so there's lots of planting and stuff to crack on with and other things as well, I guess.
1: Yeah we're busy busy with the planting season and we're busy with a few developments on the small holding as well and then then there's homeschooling and things like that on top and you know other things going on so yeah, whole basket of things. Never a
0: quiet moment.
1: <laughs> Indeed.
0: <laughs> so the question I had for you Nigel was you you clearly at some point took responsibility for your own health and it I presume revolved around dentistry from previous discussions with you, but I don't really know too much about that story. Could you share that with us?
1: Yeah, I'd I'd be happy to. It was dentistry that sort of served as sort of a a doorway for me into, into, you know, becoming more health conscious in Mm. general, I think really. Yeah. It was, um, I'd always, I'd always been sort of, you know, mildly aware of, of the need for, to look after yourself, but I think it's around about fifteen years ago when I heard that mercury amalgam fillings were a really bad idea in your face, mm-hmm. um, and you know, I mean that that's it. when when you when you somebody sort of tells it to you like that, and you think, oh gosh, yes. And and th- this chap who had um, cured himself from cancer and by a process of detoxification and, and a few other techniques, and he was quite persuasive in showing me that something that's considered toxic mm. on the workbench of the, of the, of the dentist um, is okay when it's in your mouth and, you know, or allegedly it's said <laughs> to be okay. <laughs> right, and, yeah. uh, you know, there's a bit of head scratching and I thought, oh, you've got a point there. But I mean, like these, like these things that take a while to, to sort of sort of percolate in your mind and, and sort of take root. It wasn't until I think around about 2011 mm. that I, I really started taking positive action and uh-huh. thought, I must get these amalgams out so uh-huh. so that that thought was sort of bouncing around the inside of my head uh-huh. for a few years, but yes, it was um it was init- I mean, initially I went to my conventional dentist and broached uh, the subject with him i said look i 've got a face full of amalgam fillings i I had really bad teeth basically uh-huh. ate far too much sugar as a youngster didn 't look after my teeth um and and paid the price with uh, all sorts of things in my mouth. And I'd had a couple of broken teeth as well from mm-hmm. an accident when I was a kid and they were turned into root canals. And my conventional dentist was, uh, he thought, Oh, right. Yeah. I'm happy to do that. And, uh, he sort of booked me in and, and I happened to sort of Google the sort of protocol of mercury amalgam filling removal. Mm-hmm. And I was alarmed to see that it was quite an involved procedure. You know, it was quite, there's a lot to do there to protect not only the patient, but also the dentist.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Which, and, again, and when it's my... out
0: of your teeth, it's becoming dangerous again, isn't it, funnily really enough? <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> but also apparently the vapors as yes. they drill the, 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 the mercury out, and that, that can, you know, it's obviously a threat to anyone in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, my conventional dentist was very blasé about that, so I, I sort of withdrew from his care <laughs> and decided <laughs> it was time to, um, you know, to pursue the issue elsewhere. Yeah but I should just say that I didn't really have any, you know, major chronic health issues that mm-hmm. that drove me to that. Mm-hmm. It was, it was more preemptive. Although I had, I had a history of suffering from psoriasis, um, you know, the sort of eczema, skin condition, mm-hmm. and also from migraine headaches.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so those, those were my two health issues, if you like, that, mm-hmm. that I was dealing with. Um as well as a fair amount of uh, sort of uh, middle-aged gathering obesity, I, I basically had metabolic syndrome. I, I used to have a very round face. Really? You know, just yeah, the the extra. I look at passport photographs of myself back in uh, you know ten years ago plus, and yeah. I'm very round faced. And obviously, uh, I've, I've lost all that now. I've lost lost a fair amount of body weight too. Uh-huh. So there's, there was metabolic syndrome going on there in the background as well. So. Yeah, I, I I got into this. Uh, I got enthusiastic about getting this toxic load out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good
0: place to store it right next to your brain, isn't
1: it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and this is one of the things that that I was told by this chap who cured himself of cancer. Mm. You know, and um, so so yeah, I began this this process of trying to find a holistic dentist when I noticed that the protocol for removal was quite. Yeah, quite exacting shall we say mm-hmm. and and I found a, a, a good holistic dentist up in Bedford
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, called Graham Monroe Hall and he immediately put me on a, a nutrition and supplement program and I was thinking oh, you know, I, I just want to get the amalgam fillings out you mm-hmm. know what's all this about and that was a real wake-up call because you know the, the more I consulted with him mm-hmm. and he was very very thorough um, he really opened my eyes to the importance of nutrition, mm. and therefore, you know, knock on diets. You know, not mm. only do you need the right things, you know, he opened my eyes to this idea, but you need to not eat the wrong things. Yes, and and it really, it really sort of uh, ignited a fire of curiosity, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But I was horrified when the, the procedure came around. It was actually in 2012 sometime early summer 2012 and it was it was coming you know this last consultation before he was actually going to take the, the mercury and amalgam out yeah and he pointed out to me that uh oh you, you you really should take out those root canals as well and and i had i had a couple of teeth that were problematic and the thought of just pulling them out you know made me uh, mm-hmm. aghast you know i thought i'm not sure i'm ready to pull teeth out mm-hmm. But uh, sure enough, um, he—I he, mean, I had loads of amalgam fillings. It must mm-hmm. have been about thirteen or fourteen. Wow! Um, and he, he he dealt with all of those. But he ended up actually pulling five of my teeth out. You know, and, and mm-hmm. uh, the upper set. Uh, and it was—it was quite quite uh, traumatic. But <laughs> you know, he, know what I'm educa- <laughs> <laughs> he, he educated me about the need to not have dead things in your jaw yeah and and the fact that a root canal you know when they um they sort of drill the nerve out of the tooth and they drill right down to sort of get all the the, the debris out mm-hmm. um and then they sort of flush it out with sort of toxic substances to try and kill all the bacteria Yeah, but he he showed me that the structure of a tooth being a bit like a honeycomb a bit, a mm-hmm. bit like that uh what's that? sweet that people eat crunchy crunchy, crunchy bar yeah. here in yeah. the uk anyway yeah
0: same structure um, as bone
1: yeah and um full of tiny little holes and passageways which apparently are ideal for bacteria to grow in so so i was fairly readily convinced that uh these um, root canals needed to come out
2: mm-hmm.
1: so you know, that, that, that all, all happened. And I ended up, you know, being five, five teeth short of a f- full set in, in the front <laughs> front rack, which was bad news. And I, you know, it took me into the realm of having to wear a denture plate and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, But, but really that was the beginning of, of a, a real eye opener in mm-hmm. terms of nutrition and, and all of that. And it, it started me on a, I think probably about five or six year period of, of quite intense study, mm-hmm. pretty much like yourself, you know, just, yeah, you delve into one thing and it leads to another, it leads to another. And
0: as long as you're curious, yeah. I mean, some people don't want to know, but if you're curious, then yeah, it just it's a never-ending quest, really, because you keep refining it. You get the kind of basic building blocks, get rid of all the toxicity as best you can, start to detoxify the rest, and then concentrate on not taking too many more toxins in.
1: I f- I found it uh, it kickstarted my my whole experience with mercury amalgam filling removal. Mm-hmm and uh the teeth being removed. That the, the it was the it was the protocol that um Graham Monroe Hall, the holistic dentist, gave me and, and he, he was saying how important nutrition was, mm. how it was important to to not only get the right building blocks, to, to he wanted to bring my health up or my immune system's functionality mm-hmm. more specifically up to a certain point before Actually, you know, exposing me to the um, mercury amalgam yeah. and all the toxicity, which you know to some extent you are inevitably re-exposed to when when the uh, amalgam fillings come out,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, so, so that that was a real eye opener, and it and it, it just started me studying nutrition, mm-hmm. and and uh, you know I, I just couldn't couldn't put the ball down after that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really picked it up and ran with it. I found it so interesting
2: because
1: mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know how it was for you or how it is for other people, but I suddenly became aware that I, I had this body that, that, that needed to last me a good long time. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't know how to manage it. In fact, I, I didn't know what it needed. Yep. I didn't know how to look after it. And, and that was the thought that sort of hit me sort of square between the eyes. I thought, geez, I don't know how to look after myself. <laughs> yep. and, and that was, that was a really sobering realisation so it, it 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 triggered, you know, this five or six year period of mm. trying to find out how does how does my body work? You know, what do I need to to for its best maintenance? What is health? How do I achieve it? Yeah. And and it was a, a really, really interesting journey.
0: Yeah. Just there's a book, actually. Is it is it called Nutrition and Physical Degeneration by Western Price?
1: Yeah, that rings a bell. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think
0: it is that book. There's some interesting kind of things we could add to the discussion with that. One of the ones, I'm, I'm pretty certain it was that book, although I've read that many, it might not have been.
1: Yeah. My, my dentist actually told me about that book. That was one of the yeah. ones he, he he referred to. Yeah,
0: there's an interesting thing in there that the, when they go back and look at the uh, the cranial structure and the jaw structure and the tooth structure of the uh, races around the the world that didn't have any access to Western diet, that they had very wide jaws, full teeth, no overcrowding, no problems with wisdom teeth, and no tooth decay. And it, was, it was only the Western diet later on that caused that. And there was also things in there like um, one of the things I didn't realize at the time that makes perfect sense is this business of where a tribe, maybe the, a guy would have six or seven wives. It was to give the wife's body time to recover and get enough nutrients and raw materials ready to build the next healthy child, so that you didn't can keep building more and more deficient and poorly structured children, because the child can only be built out of what the mother has in reserve.
1: Yeah, that and, makes good sense, yeah, doesn't
0: it? Yeah, and there was one other thing as well, which was really interesting. What was it to do with? No, it's gone. It'll come back anyway. But yeah, I mean, yeah. also, oh, that was it. There's um, what one of the one of the tribes where they'd celebrate when a woman became pregnant? And then they would allocate two tribe members that their sole responsibility was to go and fish, catch and grow certain materials that they knew had the minerals and vitamins that the woman required to make a successful baby. And if you had a baby that wasn't healthy and strong, it was your own fault for having one too soon before you'd recovered everything in your body. And I know that my daughter, when she went for surgery several years ago, a a corrective surgery, I said to her, look, the, the last time you had surgery, it was really bad this time. Could we work together and rebuild your entire system nutritionally so that the trauma has it'll have an impact, but it will be less damaging as an impact. And she was yeah. supposed to be in hospital, I think it was for three days, if I remember rightly, and we took her home the next day.
1: Wow. Well, that's the result.
0: You know, so but it's all it's all to do with that. It's about you have this if this this thing you inhabit that you express and explore your life through when you start to really get to grips with it and it's not that complex you can start to get more and more stuff done and better and better health because it's it's self-repairing it doesn't need a lot it just needs the right stuff
2: we'll be back after a quick break
0: welcome to the alchemy of natural healing i'm your host laurel dewey true healing is an
2: alchemical process meaning it must transform you on all levels body
0: mind and spirit What affects one affects all three. True healing is one of the hardest journeys you'll ever travel, but it's one of the most rewarding and fulfilling when you get to meet yourself for the first time. If you're ready to take
2: that journey, let's get started.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, when you point out there that, that the... Uh, western a price that that, the dentist the thing that things that he discovered about the people that were not eating the western diet and and i think that was the main main common denominator wasn't it that's right it wasn't that they were all necessarily doing something obvious i mean i mean that they were but the the really blinding um common denominator was the fact that they weren't eating you know sugar and processed flour and yeah. and uh, processed oils that's right. and all these sorts of things, you know. So, yeah. Well, and and to eat, be eat, fair, they, they well. were
0: probably eating far less. I've just read um, Man's Higher Consciousness, and that's a really interesting book. You know, we're, we're all breatharian in terms of we can't do without air. We die. We can't go without water for a, a length of time. We can go without food actually for a heck of a long time, and I know that you're in favor of fasting as well and that there are tremendous health benefits for actually consuming considerably less food and it's really got me thinking that actually much of food is just another toxin it's a habit and much like smoking when you smoke you want more of it or when you drink too much you end up wanting more it's habit forming and i think eating's habit forming too
1: yeah yeah i think it is um you you don't need three full square meals a day do you and snacks no you know i think it's one of those classic myths that we're sold is that it's that you should graze little and often sort of all day. But, but there's a good deal of evidence that, uh, you know, when you start to look into insulin and things like that, there's a good deal of evidence that, that suggests that that continual eating and that continual sort of spiking of, of insulin, at a meal mm-hmm. um, is 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 ultimately bad news over over you know the years and the decades.
0: Yeah, oh absolutely. I mean, it's an interesting thing for me because I started intermittent fasting uh, about a year and a bit ago, probably a bit longer. And so all of a sudden, then I was eating probably seventy percent of the amount of food I was eating before, and I, I did lose weight. I lost about twenty pounds or so. And then more recently, I've been pushing the envelope a little bit just to see what would happen. Then I read that book and I thought, I wonder what happens if I just eat one meal a day. So I'm probably down to eating about 40% or even 35% of the calories I used to take in a day. And I haven't lost any more weight, but I do have a lot more energy. In, In terms of logic in my head, if we really needed the amount of food that we're told that we do need to have three squares a day or whatever that with me eating 30 or 35% of the calorific content that I was eating before, I should now weigh considerably less than I did before and I should be very low on the energy. And yet what I've found is the opposite is true. And I bet you found this when you fasted too, is that you have more energy, more clarity of thought.
1: Absolutely. Fasting, I think, is really misunderstood and it's counterintuitive, isn't it? That that you feel more energised, Uh, and you feel more mentally sharp when you're fasting. Or or at least it's counterintuitive on the surface. Well, I think
0: it's counterintuitive, I'm sorry for over-talking you. If we're taught that we need food as our fuel source, but what if it wasn't a fuel source? Then it starts to make sense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, certainly not the sole fuel fuel source. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I, I found that when I thought a little bit more deeply about it and thought, well, you know, what would... It wouldn't make sense, you know, for our ancestors when, you know, they didn't have 7-Eleven and fridge freezers and and all of (laughs) these. That's right. The the 24-7 availability of food that we have, if they were growing it, if they were nomadic, you know, there would have inevitably been times of of hunger.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, And it wouldn't make sense. uh, The human race wouldn't have survived if as soon as you got hungry and didn't eat for a few days you got tired and brain fog and curled up and died. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> that just, that wouldn't fly. No. So so it kind of does make sense that that you sharpen up because you need to sharpen up and you need energy yeah. uh, in order to, you know, if, if you're hunting or if you're even just trying to make it through a winter gap until yeah. your next crop, um, you know, is ready to harvest. Yeah. It, it makes good sense. And and of course, when you look into the, you know, the meta- metabolic uh, activities of, of the body in terms of burning fat as opposed to burning sugar for fuel yes. or glycogen, yeah. then all of a sudden it becomes clear because everyone's body, even if you're fairly lean like I am, everyone's body has effectively long range fuel tanks because we've all got yeah. plenty of body fat you know unless you're really emaciated you've you've got a s you've got a considerable tank of fat yeah. you know tank fuel tank. In that you know you can you can access that fat for, for you know living you know for weeks on end if not months. Yeah,
0: it's very efficient so,
1: too. Mm, yeah, it's a more efficient fuel, isn't it? Than yeah. than and a cleaner fuel. This is yeah. one of the things that fascinated me, is that when we're burning sugar, which is what most people do, obviously yeah. all the time. Yeah. Um, when you're burning sugar, body is 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 primarily metabolizing glycogen or sugar. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like that sort of dirty old bus chuntering along the road you know chuffing out black clouds of smoke and everyone's like <laughs> <saying, laughs> yeah. you know and you and you look at that and you think that's metabolically what your body is doing yeah you know when we're gorging cake and orange juice and, and yeah. pizza and 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 pastries and yeah. all these sorts of things all the time and then when you're when you're body's burning fat for fuel when you're consuming a high fat diet, mm-hmm. it's a really lean burn. So it's, um, it, you know, the, the, the amount of, of toxic clear up that the body has to do is is hugely reduced. And the amount of, uh, you know, the, the mitochondrial damage and sort of, mm-hmm. you know, um, reactive oxygen and reactive nitrogen species firing off in your mitochondria is massively reduced when you're burning fat. Mm-hmm. I, I found that such a, uh, an, in, a huge insight, yeah, and and it steers my diet to this day. I try to remain, uh, in, roughly, uh, in ketosis and cycle in and out. So mm-hmm. I do like to have my roast potatoes on Sunday, and then I, I don't I don't in ketosis all the time. But I think it's something that people would do well to look into,
0: mm-hmm.
1: burning fat as a, as a primary fuel as well as glycogen.
0: I I think you're absolutely right, and it was funny because. Even when I was going down my initial kind of health forays twenty something years ago, I still thought that carbs were good. And it was only probably a year ago, really, that I really started to dig into the ketosis stuff. And I was like, "Oh crap! I've really been going about this the wrong way." Um, but it's—I don't know about you—but what I found is, as I've gone more down that route, you actually crave the sugars and the carbs. That all that craving goes. And I've noticed, like today, I didn't eat for it was probably nearly 24 hours since I had my, my meal until I just had some stuff before that I didn't have any hunger pangs at all, at all during the day, nothing, which is a really interesting thing. Cause if you were living on carbohydrates, you would be in, you'd be in pretty rough shape. I would think sort of 18, 20 hours into it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, fasting can be a challenge if you're unused to uh if your body shall we say is metabolically unused to burning fat yeah. because it will have that craving and as soon as you have that sugar crash yeah. when you've used up your stores of glycogen in your muscles and your liver mm-hmm. um you know after about 24 hours it can get really painful mm-hmm. but your body adapts and, uh, and and this is the wonderful thing about it mm-hmm. and another one of the counterintuitive things about fasting is that uh, people say oh aren't you dreadfully hungry after four days or five days or, you know, even two days. It must be excruciatingly uncomfortable. And and the reality is is that it isn't. And again, if we think back to our ancestors, how inconvenient would it have been when, you know, you're waiting for, for these crops to grow? You might have some stored food. You might have some animals. And, mm-hmm. you know, you would have had fat products which were highly prized by our an- ancestors. It would have been very counterproductive to Mm -hmm. continually have your 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 hunger sort of banging at the door saying you gotta eat you gotta eat and of course it doesn't doesn't actually work like that when you're fasting after day end of day two day three um you know you don't actually feel hungry it's as though your body kind of you know adapts and you know it doesn't say anything to itself but if it did it would be saying well okay there's nothing coming down the chute now so i'd better just switch over into this different mode metabolically and uh, you know we'll just adapt mm-hmm. and, and and that's what happens and it's 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 great so mm-hmm. fasting is more achievable than perhaps people think yeah um for, for that reason as well
0: yeah and, and, and certainly in a lot of the research i've done nearly not all but so many very serious health problems can be dealt with effectively with fasting as part of the protocol
1: yeah yeah, that's awesome, isn't it? I mean, I remember talking to uh, uh, Professor Thomas Seafried, um, who has written a wonderful book called Cancer as a Metabolic Disease,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which he challenges the general uh consensus out there in our um current medical sort of paradigm that cancer is a genetic disease. Mm-hmm. Uh it's it's an excellent, excellent book. Mm-hmm. But he he recommends on diagnosis of cancer, which is fairly sort of up there as one of the major life-threatening diseases of our culture, he says one of the best things you could do would be to immediately embark on a seven-day fast.
0: Yep.
1: You know, don't eat anything, you know, and that would give your body the best chance. I mean, there, there are slight mitigating circumstances if somebody is already extremely lean, if they're in advanced stages of cancer. Yes. Um, there are there are complicating factors, but but for somebody of, you know, of ordinary build like you or I, uh, if if you if you ever were to get such bad news, you know, that uh, Professor Seafi was saying a week of ketosis would, would be the best thing you could do.
0: Yeah, uh, it, it's like in that book, Man's Higher Consciousness, they have stories in there of people that have fasted sort of eight years out of 10 years. I mean, literally that whole time and they're still in incredible health and vibrancy in fact better so that that really got me thinking about this whole issue of toxicity and then when i was talking to uh, claudia the other night and she said if you look at the the root of stomach sto means um what does she say let me just look it up because we went through it earlier on it was really interesting uh, let's see can't find it it's that's a shame stow meant uh, I think still, a mac was machine, so it basically meant we kind of interpreted that to mean that you you don't use you only use your stomach for fuel if you're not moving. Otherwise, you're generating energy otherwise, and that yeah. makes sense. And you'll you'll find this, and I do too, that if I'm very physically active, I don't get hungry, and I can quite happily you know go a very long time without because I'm just making energy as I go. It's really interesting, especially if I'm outside in the fresh air. You did a fast at the beginning of this year, didn't you? Is that something you've been doing regularly or something you've decided to incorporate newly into your uh, regime, as it were?
1: Well, it's something I've been doing for about a year and a half now. And it was actually um, through studying on gut health and uh, coming across the idea of a, of a colonic irrigation. Um, Done plenty I, of them. and did... that's an
0: interesting experience.
1: Yeah, I, I had quite a severe health incident where I suffered from constipation mm. uh, and you know it was it was due to my lifestyle at the time mm-hmm. uh, and I was unaware of it I mean this is the crazy thing I was unaware that you know I'd stopped going for that morning constitutional as mm. it were and, and uh, I ended up with really severe abdominal pains mm-hmm. and, and I, I went to A&E actually <laughs> on two different occasions they didn't diagnose it correctly until Mm. i was in there i think the third time that was when they diagnosed it Mm. and they were giving me morphine and these things which actually exacerbate (sighs) constipation but eventually it was diagnosed and it was a real wake-up call i mean i suddenly looked at my my lifestyle and what i was doing and again it it opened another avenue of 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 research Mm. but i i ended up embarking on, or I had a a course of uh, colonic irrigation which Mm. remedied the the problem um, very effectively. Mm. But I also learned that because the colon is such an important organ in the body's detoxification process, Mm. where the liver, you know, dumps toxins overboard, um, I I now have a, a colonic irrigation and a coffee enema three times a year. And in order to maximize the benefit, I tend to do at least a week fast prior to that treatment. Mm-hmm. So I now do one in January, one in, you know, May, another one in September. So
2: mm-hmm.
1: so it's become a regular part of my lifestyle um, to to, you know, optimize my my detoxification process. Okay, that, so that's really interesting. So
0: how do you feel after the colonic irrigation because I know I felt just of really light and enlivened and it was it was bizarre how much better i felt afterwards
1: yes absolutely well these days i i i don't notice it as much but Mm -hmm. i think on the second visit uh probably my my first treatment after you know the constipation episode Mm -hmm. i was driving home and this was quite quite bizarre agent it never happened to me before but i was driving home it was probably about 25 minute journey from Mm -hmm. from there to, to home and I felt so emotional. Yeah. Uh, it, it was undescribable. I could, emotion was just welling up in, inside me. Not any particular issue,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but I got to the point where I hadn't got home yet. I, I was probably only two or three minutes from home, mm-hmm. but I had to stop the, the car and pull over and just, you know, take a few deep breaths. and 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 I don't know what you'd call it, process, deal with, experience. Mm-hmm. You know this this wave of emotion just just you know cascaded over me, and and I was crying, Mm -hmm. tears coming out of my eyes. It was an incredibly powerful experience that Mm -hmm. I I I, I really couldn't understand. And Mm -hmm. when I reported this back to uh, to the practitioner, she said, "Well, that fairly often happens Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um, as a result of of this um, you know very significant." Clear out, yes. Um, you know, of, of, of material
0: this. that could have been there for
1: decades. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it, it, there there have been analogies drawn to sort of decades of old wallpaper that needs scraping off when yeah. you redecorating. Yeah. you know, and uh, you know, it doesn't go anywhere. It builds up and it builds up. Yeah. If if our um, you know if our lifestyle choices, our state of hydration, and yeah. and other factors, you know, how many bowel movements we do in a day or or a week for Mm -hmm. some people these things can have a
0: three a day you know very
1: detrimental effect yeah i mean i i i try and yeah about two or three a day for me these days and uh, i think that's that's good and i've heard that that's you know pretty much optimal for for keeping things clean and functional i mean that's that's the point of it isn't it it's to get that detoxification process Which, on
0: which comes back to what i was talking about with food being a source of toxicity that in in my experience nature isn't particularly wasteful it's very plentiful but it's quite economic with its resources so why is it we produce so much waste yeah just like it float i don't know why it's floating through my head but it's really it's bouncing around in my mind so much because and and, and thank you for clarifying that experience i, I presume When you when you're going through your fast, there must have been some interesting emotional moments, too, because seven days is a reasonable time to do that.
1: Yes, it is. And um, for early when I first began fasting, um, I I did have some pretty emotional and challenging times. Mm -hmm. Things like um, irritability. You know, the family were quite ready to give me feedback on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it is it is challenging. And not for reasons of hunger, as I mentioned a hmm. moment ago, but for reasons of food addiction, I think that's, that's what I was really going through. Mm-hmm. And I've experimented with some quite long fasts, and the longest one I've done is, uh, is about two weeks, wow. 14 days. Um, and there, there is a, a food addiction thing to break through, which, which you know can pull up emotional issues and, mm-hmm. and so forth but that was that 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 cleanse out was was certainly the most powerful emotional experience i've Mm. had in 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 that respect which Mm. certainly trumped the fasting experiences okay
0: that's i found
1: with i found with fasting that after a certain number of days have passed after a week it's pretty easy to go an extra day and then you think well I could probably go a couple of extra days, you know, and and it gets, it gets easier and easier. I mean, it sounds kind of crazy, Mm -hmm. but the more your body adapts, you know, it, it, it actually gets quite easy. I did have one experience when I reached day 12, um, about a year ago and I I just threw it away for some reason. I I needed to eat. I was aiming for two weeks at the time Mm -hmm. and I just threw it away. I, I, I didn't feel good. I didn't feel good like I usually do through the fast. And I thought, you know, what, I need to throw this away and eat. Mm-hmm. And, and I did. And, you know, that was OK, you know. So I'm not sure what was going on there, if I'm honest. But I think it did teach me to at least, you know, listen to my body and 100% not I was gonna be afraid say to throw things out. Yeah. When you need to.
0: Yeah. I, I think that's extremely good advice that you need to pay attention to what's going on and be prepared to adapt and change. Mm. It, it really but yeah, is. I mean, it's
1: funny, you, you, you were saying earlier about about when you reduce your calorie intake, yeah. um, it, it's surprising that, that, that you don't lose more weight. Yep. And it's incredible that the body has such a, a an ability to maintain a stable, normal, shall we say, weight. Yeah. Because I found that when, when um, in ketosis and when burning fat as a mm-hmm. primary fuel it doesn't matter how much I eat, I I never actually put on any weight. I mean, (laughs) I don't know how it works. But the idea of a calorie controlled diet, where you're measuring calories in and, you know, you're running on a treadmill to try and burn a few extra, you you realize that this is all just nonsense, because your body, I don't know how it does it, but it does, obviously, through greater appetite control, I think. Mm -hmm. And when you're eating a higher fat diet or I found when I when I'm eating a higher fat diet it's it's just easy to eat what you want in terms of quantity Mm -hmm. and just not even think about it And, and I find that my appetite works in a way that perhaps it's being prevented from working when I'm you know eating normally should i say and perhaps you know with with, with more carbs and sugar and, and don't get me wrong i mean i love sugar and i love chocolate and uh you know i i struggle to rule those things out of my life entirely
2: mm-hmm.
1: but um it, it is interesting that i found that this that my body weight really stabilizes
2: mm-hmm.
1: if i'm in ketosis you know for, for for a period of several weeks say a couple of months at a time before mm-hmm. having another another party day and and perhaps a a sugar (laughs) indulgence day, (laughs) which I think is important. I mean, you have to live a little too. So, you know, again, it's, it's all about balance, isn't it? Yeah. Some people say everything in moderation, even moderation. And uh, (laughs) maybe there's some truth in that because uh, I mean, I I do find occasionally the problem with fasting, (laughs) if you can call it a problem, I find that the the better I get at abstaining from certain things, and mm-hmm. you know discipline is an important part of nailing down a healthy lifestyle, but I do find sometimes maybe a consequence of these fasts is i I have had a few sugar binges you know where you know I might have two bars of chocolate in a day and a bag of twelve bites or something, and I think, oh my goodness, you know I've really maxed out on chocolate. Mm-hmm. And, and then I hate myself for a couple of days. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it seems that I dive in extra deep into the indulgence. You know, yeah. I don't know whether that, I'm psychologically rewarding myself for, you know, times of abstinence. I don't know. It's a yeah crazy thing. But, it's
0: an interesting thought.
1: Yeah. All in all, it, I think it, it, it balances itself out, doesn't it?
0: Oh, Absolutely. And I, I think that's important. It's all about I mean, you've got to enjoy the process. Otherwise, it, it, why would you do it? it? It shouldn't be hard work. I don't do anything that I find particularly unpleasant or difficult unless I know it needs doing for a specific goal. But there are ways like you know when i when I get up now, so I'm probably eating only for two hours a day, sometimes not that and i've I've eased myself into that. I haven't just gone right. that's it. so when i yeah. when I got into intermittent fasting. I'd already worked out pretty much at the weekend. I was busy doing stuff, doing errands, you know, cracking on, doing things. And I, I realized that I wasn't having breakfast until two in the afternoon anyway. And I thought, well, I'm sure I could push that to sort of half two, three o'clock and just do that every day instead of just to the weekends because I'm not missing it. So that was an yeah. easy step. And then I stuck with that for a long time, probably near for a year. And it was only recently when I was reading that other book. I thought I want to, you know, push this along a little bit further. Maybe I can get to, you know, eating once a day and maybe every eighteen hours or every other day, something like that. Just see how I do weight wise and see whether I get benefits. Because I'm just looking for benefits. I'm, yep. I'm only looking to say, am I going to feel better? Do I feel more vibrant? Is my mind clearer? And if I get those things, absolutely. Yep. You know, so it's it's all about paying attention to that and not punishing ourselves, which is what I think we a lot of us fall into that trap. And I think that's also part of conditioning of life that you, you, we expect to get punished because you've been punished your entire life anyway.
1: You mentioned intermittent fasting. Yeah. And I think that's a really good way to, if anyone was considering a fast yeah. um, for a detox or for you know, whatever purpose, uh, intermittent fasting is a great small step towards it, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It really seems to to help the body sort of pre adapt to to burning uh to burning fat as, as a primary fuel yeah and and give you that little bit of metabolic flexibility
0: yeah well it's like if you the way I imagined it was you've got this big circuit breaker that's either burning glycogen or burning fat, and it's been stuck on burning glycogen it's gone all rusty and it's stuck there, so you've got to start working the switch, get some lube in there, and keep doing it. So, in my simplistic approach to that was, if I do this every day, stretch it out a little bit. As and when I feel like doing a fast, if I actually do want to do one or not, I don't know yet. Maybe I'll just keep stretching the time out on this, and and we'll just see. But it's it's like anything. If you if you ease into anything, you're capable of amazing things. And if you run hard and really hurt yourself, you want to continue with it.
1: Yeah, that's 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 true. And yeah, I mean, as you were mentioning a few minutes ago, there the the, the idea of of, of of not not sort of you you've got to you've got to you can't throw all the enjoyment of life out of the window and 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 i think this is where it can be very difficult for people who, who are trying to change diets which let's remind ourselves that i think is the most powerful lever that we have yep. to to exert uh benefit on our health it yeah. really it, it's the big control knob yeah. that, that that's that's I think exerts most control, obviously the other things are important too: exercise, hydration, sleep, etc. Yeah. But, but it can be a real challenge when people think, well, goodness me, I really love pizza or, you know, how can I give up my 11 o'clock donut in the morning or, you know, and, and, and it, and it is hard. So I, I think it's, it's, it's worth remembering that even if we set ourselves small targets of, for example you know c- clean eating as as i refer to it myself for for maybe just a week to start with and then you know reward yourself with with a with whatever your poison at the end of that week and then maybe stretch it to 2 weeks or Good 3 choice weeks choice of word yeah <laughs> 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 choice of poison yeah <laughs> yeah i mean it, because it does have to be sustainable doesn't yes. it i yeah. mean and th- this is this is the thing I think it's okay to fall off the wagon and I don't know about you Adrian but I've fallen off the wagon loads of times over you know I probably first really tried to to change my my diet and all of my other lifestyle choices permanently I tried to change them permanently or I intended to I set out with the intention of permanently changing them
2: Mm-hmm. probably
1: first up about five years ago
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I still haven't got there but I'm 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 happy that I'm considerably nearer to uh an ideal or an optimal state than I was when I first began so you you you, you do a little bit you fall off you just keep getting back on really and, and you yeah, know yeah. I think that that's a, that's a, for me was a really important component of it just yeah. don't give up don't throw it away And I found that as long as I kept really valuing good health and as long as I kept reminding myself that I I don't want to be in a hospital when I grow older, I don't want to need the NHS, I don't want want to need them at all. And I think it's very possible for almost all of us to to get to that point where our long-term well-being is pretty much catered for you know, by an empowered sort of control over our own lifestyle choices, and diet being the big one. So we have to be gentle, don't we? We have to, we have to allow ourselves to fall off that wagon periodically. Just mm-hmm. keep getting back on.
0: No, I, I think that's really solid advice, absolutely. And just keep heading in the right direction, you know, because when, when a plane's on autopilot going from here to, say, America, it's actually off course all the way but the autopilot's constantly making little tiny corrections to keep you back on course, and that way you actually arrive where you're getting to, whereas if you didn't make those corrections, you could end up in a really interesting destination you hadn't expected. Yeah, And I think yep. it's the same for health, mm-hmm. just keep making those little corrections. I, I, I'm tweaking the thing all the time. And, and I can tell now, it's funny, the further down the path you go with it, if I stray, I can tell almost instantly I've eaten something I shouldn't have eaten because I can feel the energy drop substantially as my body's trying to deal with it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think it's important to acknowledge that we we probably all suffer from some kind of addiction, and yes. and I've struggled with this, and and my my weakness has has been you know a bit of the sort of evil weed, and Not evil, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> deemed to be evil, certainly the illegal stuff, you know, the green stuff, it's medicine, um, yeah. <laughs> And I, I've I've struggled um, to to sort of contain it, shall we say, and keep it to uh, keep it in its box. I like to think of and and just get it out occasionally. And and th- the problem that I've had is that it really affects my control over all of the other aspects of my lifestyle choices. So, <laughs> so as we know, health is sort of a, you know, a whole basket full of yeah. lifestyle choices that we have to make, yeah. you know, including, as we mentioned, sleep, exercise, hydration, all, all of these things and yeah. diet and toxicity avoidance. Um, and, and, and we're sort of keeping our eye on all of these factors. And I always find that, that, that occasionally, you know, if it's, if it's party season or it's it's one of those periods where I, i'm indulging shall we say it, it i find it very hard to to hold all those other things together and you know some people you know like to to use alcohol my wife likes her, her red wine that's her her tipple mm-hmm. um we all we all have our uh you know our let i suppose you could call it a coping strategy in some ways our means of of uh you know, indulgence, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. But I, I found that, that when I was, um, you know, indulging, it was, it's really hard for me to,
0: to, to hold all these things together. So I have a picture in my head. If you've got this really organized box with everything laid out just where it should be and in the middle of it, there's a little jack in the box and someone, when you have that, goes... And everything goes plop and falls outside the box.
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely. And 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 it takes a lot of lot of effort to sort of you know pull all these things back together. Yeah, yeah. But funnily enough, I find fasting um, a really really good one because if if you can, I, I've always found that if I can nail the fasting, and, and and I've you know after a little bit of experience, I think all of us can prove to ourselves that we can. Mm-hmm. When you can get on that bandwagon just for a week it's really easy to put everything down it, you know the, the idea for example of starting a fast and then going out for for a few bevies on night three you, you just wouldn't do it you you know i i, I can't explain why but you just wouldn't you think no i'm fasting i'm You'd not be gonna do that quick
0: if you did <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. but but it seems to be one of those things that 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 sort of encompasses everything yes. yeah. and, and provides a framework for everything to sit in so you know you know i'm no saint and i do permit myself periodic indulgences and i try to to view them as as medicinal you know there are certain creative advantages in 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 using various herbs Mm -hmm. and uh yeah I, i think it's i think it's probably comes down to that old cliche of just trying to trying to balance everything
0: i think so i'm with you i think everyone intermittent fasting would be a tremendous way in to the game mm -hmm. and it's something when i started i decided i'll just do this forever now this is how i eat and it just it works it works so well i can't i can't really describe to people what it's like and the other thing just time-wise not having to stop for meals yeah you free up a whole rock of time it's amazing yes
1: Yes, absolutely. And I think that is one of the lifestyle choice changes that that is really, really sustainable. I mean, per, personally, I skip breakfast and I eat my lunch at around about half past 12 to one. And then um, my wife likes to cook an early dinner anyway. She always has. So we tend to eat at around about five, sometimes as early as half past four. So, So my eating window... Mm-hmm. Is is uh, you know about four to five hours. And I find find that very, very sustainable. Um, you know, it's 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 almost effortless. And then occasionally when I'm um, you know, every, every other weekend or just sometimes I might just have on a Sunday, I'll just have a full nosh-up breakfast with, with the family and and maybe, you know, just just break that pattern for the one day. But generally, I think that's a very achievable lifestyle pattern that that probably almost anyone could adapt to and of course you can you could eat breakfast and and lunch and skip dinner but i I think socially that's that's possibly a little bit harder to to achieve
0: yeah i I found it easier to go the other way it's it's, it seems to fit better by not having breakfast for me and not really having what not not having what people call breakfast and not having what people call lunch but the the evening thing i think does it does seem to fit and work a lot better certainly that's been my experience
1: yeah yeah and it's it's really important, isn't it, to to, to find these things that work for us yes. you know, over the long term. Yeah, cool. Yeah.
0: In closing, is there anything else you'd like to say to anybody? Because we started on one thing, but got into something that was the kind of the culmination, really, of where you and I have been headed for a long time, which is is refining this thing.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that I think that maintaining our body and mind in, in a optimal state of health is, is rightly, you know, rationally, the most important priority I've found. And I think logically speaking, it should be everybody's because especially in the current context of everyone scared of catching something, you know, it's really important to learn how to Maintain our health and look after our body, and and really aim for the the, the century. I mean, I, I kind of half jokingly, but in all seriousness, tell my family I'm going to do the ton. I'm I'm determined to do the ton. Of course, I may get hit by a bus or something. At any I'm time, I'm going to
0: send you a copy of that book down to have a look at, and you might be aiming for considerably more than the ton when you've read it. Oh, great! Well, that
1: would be fantastic. But <laughs> but my my goal is that. I want. I want functionality, Adrian. Yes. I, I want. I don't want to be an old cripple. I don't want nope. a Zimmer frame. Nope. I don't want a, 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 one of these, you know, mobile s- wheelchair motorised things. I don't want any of that. I want to be functional, you know, right up till the end, or as near to the end as 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 is feasible, feasibly achievable. And uh, and that that motivates me to to uh, you know always keep an eye out for not not only to, to it motivated me to educate myself to, as to how to operate and maintain this human body I've got but also I, I try and remain open to any any new ideas that you hear about and you know infrared sauna and detoxification is one I've heard recently about and also this blood flow restriction training for people as they age helping them maintain muscle mass so, so i think it's important for us to sort of keep our ear to the ground even once we kind of think that we've sussed it all out it's important to sort of you know yeah keep one ear out to, to, on, on any new technologies because because
0: things are always being discovered so. or all technologies that's just things are being remembered yeah absolutely absolutely well, i, I and, look and, forward to running on that same path with you because i have my aspirations set Beyond that, but I'd certainly like to give that a nice happy way as I saunter past it.
1: Great. Well, what number are you going for, Adrian? <laughs>
0: it's a lot higher. <laughs> <Excellent>. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say it because people will go, "You are off your mind." But I already know I am, so it doesn't matter.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: that's, that, that's great, isn't it? And and I don't
1: think I, you know, whenever I I lost a friend just recently, a couple of years ago, 51 he was, and and it was death by diet, and. You know, it, it, it was a heart attack that took him and his diet was crap. And he always acknowledged to me, you know, Nigel, I know I should do this, that and the other, but I haven't and blah, blah, blah. You know, the the point here is it's it's avoidable. It really is avoidable and achievable. The, these early deaths by diet, getting diabetes and cancer and these things are so avoidable. You know, I think any closing message for me would, I'd love to inspire people to, to really get interested in, you know, taking responsibility for their health because it's so achievable and it's so empowering. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That, that was awesome. Thank you so much, mate. Well,
1: Uh, thank you. Thank you, Adrian. A great pleasure. Always catching up with you, mate. And uh, yeah, wonderful. Really enjoy always chatting with you, man.
0: No, it's really good. Yeah. And I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you later on this year because I will come down.